I tell every client I work with, I'm like, throw out your damn checklist. Whatever your checklist is, throw it out. Because it's usually like qualities like a certain amount of money, a certain certain aesthetic, a certain height, all these different things. I'm like, how do you want to feel with someone? Make that checklist. And focusing on doing the choosing more than being chosen. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, writer, and speaker with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. We boldly explore relationships, connection, and the nuances and complexities of the human experience with compassion, honesty, and a sense of humor. With both solo episodes and highly curated guests sharing incredible stories, experiences, and expertise, the Room to Grow podcast takes the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while covering the uncomfortable topics many of us would like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Intro Podcast. Emily here. And today's episode is a little bit different because I'm the one being interviewed today. <laughs> so this episode originally aired on my friend Lisa Kay's podcast, Between Heaven and Earth. And I was so delighted that Lisa, that Lisa invited me on. This was such a blast to talk about. We're getting deep into relationships on this one and intuition. And Lisa was actually uh, on, this on this podcast on episode 358, talking all about intuition and how to learn to listen to it. That's everything that Lisa does. And she has such a cool way of bringing together science, woo, and energetics and bringing it all together at the intersection of that to teach people how to listen to their intuition. It's fascinating, fascinating stuff. So I highly recommend that episode as well. Um, it's listed over in the show notes at roomtogrowpodcast.com or wherever you are listening to this um, and also all the ways to connect with Lisa as well. So Lisa and I are getting deep into relationships on this one. I actually shared some stuff on this episode that I haven't shared uh, publicly before. And we're talking about everything from how to use your intuition in relationships to uh, being being chosen without doing the choosing in relationships and some of the issues associated with that. We're also talking about what men and women are each looking for in relationships. Um, we we went deep on this one. I was really, really excited about it. And Lisa said that she's gotten amazing feedback on it. So she was generous enough to allow me to uh, air it over here as well for your benefit. So I hope you enjoy this one. Can't wait to hear and let's dive in. Welcome, Emily. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Oh so, my gosh, Lisa, uh, thank you so much for having me. This is such a delight. <laughs> it is. I'm really excited about it. I mean, we, you know, I think we became instant friends, don't you? We did. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I know you've got a really interesting story and I wanted to start off with that um, about kind of how you got into this whole relationship thing to begin with. So could you just give us a little background and tell us what your story is? Of course. Yeah. So um, I was in the corporate world for 11 years, uh, working in an industry that was completely unrelated to my my degree in criminology and psychology. It just sort of like fell into my lap after I graduated. So I was I was working there and it wasn't it was not what I wanted to do long term. It was just sort of like funding, funding me and paying the bills while I was figuring out my next move. Um, and I started to get into uh, fitness and nutrition. Uh, holistic nutrition. So I was teaching boot camp classes on the side. I I had gone back to school part time uh, to become a holistic nutritionist, and then I ended up launching my uh, my business in 2017 um, online. And I quit my corporate job about a year and a half later. Um, as I was doing the the fitness and nutrition thing, and it was great. And uh, simultaneously to all of that, I was also in a nine year relationship. 
And about six months after I uh, quit my jobs at the end of 2018 on Christmas Eve, um, got a knock on the door that uh, was the former girlfriend of my partner to inform me that they had been having an affair off and on for our entire nine years together. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was definitely a a rug ripped out from under me moment. Um, I was, I had very much been living in the headspace of like, this is, this is the man I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. Um, I thought I was super happy, like all, all of these things. And then looking back, we, we see ourselves in, in situations, obviously in a different light. And I, I don't actually think I was nearly as happy as I thought that I was, but I, mm. I thought that that was, um, I thought that was it. You know, and, and I had I had sort of like followed the rules. I was like, OK, you know, you graduate school, you go get the job, you you get the relationship, the white picket fence life, like all those things, like the very conventional kind of route, um, which is great. I, there's there's nothing wrong with that route. It was just more of a question of asking myself, like, is is this the route that I want as opposed to what is sort of being like thrown at me? Um, so I ended the relationship and there were all kinds of things that came out in the aftermath uh like lies that were uncovered like he had a secret house um 170 meters from our driveway for several years <laughs> there was there was a lot i was having moments of like how did my life become a movie that has become gone horribly wrong with no no happy ending in sight like what is happening to my life <laughs> um so i ended up i sold the house uh got rid of nearly everything i owned uh picked up and moved to bali uh, until the pandemic hit. And then throughout all of that, throughout the, the very beginning of the pandemic, I really just started to lose my sense of purpose. And um, I ended up kind of falling in, into a deep depression for a wide variety of reasons. It was very situational. There were like a huge number of things that kind of all came together at once, um, including a lot of loneliness and, and isolation, as many of us were, were dealing with. Um, and what kept being pointed out to me and, and I say pointed out to me, like numerous people around me were basically hitting me over the head with this. They're like, why are you not doing relationship work? Because my, I had lost my sense of purpose in my business. I, I didn't really, I was feeling very directionless. I didn't know what to do. And it didn't, it wasn't flowing to me anymore. It wasn't lighting me up. It wasn't what I wanted to be engaging with. And everyone kept pointing out relationships. And finally, I sort of had a lightning bolt moment where I'm like, oh, this is the thread. This human connection element is the thread that has has come through everything I've ever done. And this is what lights me up the most. Like I've been educating myself about relationships for years. People have been coming to me for years, like even in my personal life, asking me for relationship advice. Um, relationships end up coming up in in all of the other work that I've ever done. It It really was the thing. And it was sort of like... I could no longer deny that this work was choosing me. Mm -hmm. And once I accepted the assignment, then everything started to flow. And this is, I, I, I can't think of anything um, more incredible for me to be doing than, than to do this work. This is just, it's so cool that I get to do this. I wake up excited like every day and, and it's, it, there's so much nuance with relationships. And I think that's what I love the most about it is that there's never going to be one single answer that applies to every single person and situation there's always more layers to dig into there's always more to explore there's always more to learn like more challenges it's it's so fascinating so yes that is how I ended up doing relationship work <laughs> wow I love that I love that for two reasons well I mean I think relationships I've learned are so so important central to who we are as human beings um, even though I for years wanted to deny that <laughs> I was like all right I can just you know do my work and go and have a career and you know, and that's it. And, um, but it, it's so, so important. That's why 
I'm so fascinated with what you do. And then the other thing is that you followed your passion. And, you know, that's something, again, I think we talked about that in the show about people wanting to know what is my purpose? Why am I here? What's my passion? How do I get my intuition to tell me that? But the, the bottom line is, is that the things that we're meant to do have that thread through our lives and it keeps coming up. And, you know, obviously it did for you. And I think even with the experience that you had, which was such a crazy, painful experience, um, that all added to what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, that I'd love to dive into is to, you know, where our relationships with other people are always fraught with what are they thinking? What are they doing? Why did they do that? Um, and then when you have somebody betray you uh, in such a painful way, and, and you're, I mean, the fact that the, <laughs> this woman had her house like next door to you is just like, you I, did you completely have no idea why do you think you had no idea were there any signs i mean people are probably thinking now as they're listening to this Ooh, what if that happens to me how do i know what did i just like confront him and say do you have a secret girlfriend or a secret house i don't know about <laughs> did you have any, i feel what, like my story scares people <laughs> well well did you what did you learn was there something that you kind of could look back and say, oh, I should have done this, or I knew that, or, you know, there was a sign that I had missed. What, what yeah. did you, what did you get? There were so many signs over the years and hindsight is always 2020, right? You know, we, we can always see the signs looking back. Um, th this other girlfriend would sort of like pop up occasionally over the years, um, like a text message would come through or mm -hmm. it, it would, it, it would just, but there was always a, a relatively reasonable explanation most of the time. And there was so much we in order to heal from any anything particularly in relationships but in order to heal in general we have to take responsibility for our own role in anything so even though i was the so-called victim in that situation and and no one is is saying that anything that he did was okay <laughs> like yes that mm -hmm. his actions are his to own but I still had to take responsibility for my part in the relationship as well. And what that involved looking at, taking a very hard look at, was all the ways I had ignored the whispers over the years, the intuitive hits that I was getting. Um, it got to the point that by the end of the relationship, my entire physical body was basically trying to scream at me. So as soon as I ended the relationship, literally within days, not only did my period regulate for the first time in years, but it felt like there was a fog of anxiety that had lifted that I hadn't even realized was seeping into my very soul. And, and I felt such relief, even though I was heartbroken. And that was very telling to me. And I started to really notice all the ways I had prioritized um, him and the relationship over my own wisdom over mm. over my in, my own innate wisdom and and that was a problem so i had to learn not only to to start to really trust myself again and to actually listen to the whispers but also to really get clear on being able to forgive myself for ignoring it for so long and mm -hmm. and self forgiveness can be in a lot of ways far more difficult than forgiving other people we we have to really reconcile with that and, and look at the ways that we've maybe pushed ourselves and our own needs to one side and over such an extended period of time too. That, that takes time. That takes time to, to build up. 
Um, and the best way to practice that is to begin to take even the smallest steps to learn to trust yourself again. So when you get a whisper, um, even if you, and even if for anyone who's listening, going like, I don't hear any whispers, (laughs) 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 then even just in the smallest ways of like, if you say you're going to do a task today, even if it's the smallest thing, if, if you decide that you want to drink more water, so you're going to drink like 10, 10 glasses of water today, follow through on that because our brains are watching us constantly and our brains are deciding if we can trust ourselves or not. If we say that we're going to do something and then we don't do it, and that's a continuous pattern over and over again, that will erode our sense of self-trust. Even in the tiniest little actions, we can actually teach ourselves self-trust over the longer term. And, and those are the things that you can start with that will then build the foundation to be able to then start to hear those intuitive hits much more clearly and then actually listen to them as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love what you said. I, I also, um, I was writing down some things about the things that you felt in your body, you felt the anxiety lift. Um, and so those were some signals to you looking back on, oh, you know, and I, sometimes I, what I notice about my intuition is that I have these feelings, but they don't, they're not connected to something I could visually see. It's like, well, I, I feel anxious, but then I, I, there's nothing going on now. Why should I be anxious? Life is really good, but there's something, I mean, for example, um, when we had that huge surprise about my husband having a, um, a really bad clogged artery, which we'd had no idea. And he had, uh, he eats, super well because he tries to keep his cholesterol low with his diet so he eats so well that um it's almost like you know oh, i can't have that because it's got you know it's got a little butter in it <laughs> you know he so that's one thing he's perfect weight he exercises like a fiend and i tell the doctors and the nurses you know he gets on the treadmill and he'll run uh, for 45 minutes get his heart rate um at this crazy high level uh which is like you know 150 160 beats a minute and holds it there for 45 minutes because he's, he's like an elite athlete because he's trying to manage his heart issue. And here he is, uh, you know, in his late fifties and he's in great shape. Numbers are good. And it turned out he had a blockage of 90% in his, in the widow maker. Now, how do we find that people ask? I had a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. And so what was that bad feeling? Well, it was, an un- uneasiness, uh, which I, uh, which I really couldn't explain. Um, and then I'd have little pops of a thought here or there. It's like, why don't they, you know, they do mammograms and they do colonoscopies. Why don't they like screen you for heart things? Cause he, he never was screened. They said, they said, Oh, you don't need to see anybody unless you feel something. Well, he never went to cardiologist. He never had a stress test. And I thought, well, this is strange. So why don't they do something? And and the other thing I was finding was at night between 10 o'clock and 11, um, my heart would start to pound. And I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? It's really weird. <laughs> and um, But then long story short, we found out all this and he got treated and he's fine now. But uh, but once that happened, then my heart started. It, it, it went back to normal. It didn't bother me anymore. I didn't have that, you know, uneasy feeling. So I, I think um, you're right about having to notice those little things that we have that come out in our bodies. Um, so, and you were saying that there was that cloud of anxiety that went away for you and your body. 
What did that feel yeah, like? Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, and that's that that was actually what I was going to mention was that, you know, so many of us are so disconnected from our bodies that we don't actually we don't know what we don't know. So sometimes we either have to go through a particular experience, hopefully not, you know, nearly mm -hmm. as traumatic as like like what you went through or what I went through. But sometimes we have to go through a particular experience to gain the knowledge and understanding of what that feels like so that we can recognize mm -hmm. the difference. Because if we don't have anything to compare it to, if that's our normal, then we're not going to recognize it. So I actually, um, in the, the book I just co-authored about relationships, I was, I was talking about uh, some of these, these stories and I compared my nine-year relationship to that metaphor of, of the frog dying in, in boiling mm -hmm. water because the water is being turned up so slowly that you don't, you don't recognize that the heat is rising because it's, it's mm -hmm. so minuscule that it just, your body adjusts to it as it continues to rise and rise and rise. And that's something that we need to remember is like tapping into, and I remember the first time a therapist asked me where I felt anxiety in my body and it mm -hmm. stopped me in my tracks because I had never considered that question before. And I had to really sit with that. And I finally realized that it was in my stomach, that my stomach would clench into knots. So that was the other thing that I, and that will show up differently for everyone. Everyone will have like a, a different experience. It might be that, or it might be something totally different. And um, what I, the other thing that I noticed was that when the relationship, right before the relationship ended, I remember lying in bed at night and realizing that even as I exhaled very slowly and concentrated on trying to release the, the stress in my stomach, I couldn't release the stress anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it was like a couple of weeks later that I found out about everything. And then I realized that the stress had gone. So I had to have that comparison to know one from the other. And that's where we can really this is where we have to learn lessons and, and to turn our pain into purpose by going through these experiences and, and doing so with the intentionality of pulling every lesson that we can from these experiences. So I, I made that decision very early in, in the, the breakup. I was like, I am, am so determined to pull every single lesson that I can from this because otherwise I will have thrown away nine years of my life for nothing and I'm not prepared to do that. So that was really, really important. The other thing is too, like from an, an, an intuition standpoint as well is, um, first of all, I wanted to believe him. And I, I've heard that before, you know, like we, we believe what we want to believe. And I always kind of thought it was bullshit. It is not bullshit. <laughs> it is not bullshit. We believe what we want to believe. And I, I so wanted mm. to believe him that even as these little intuitive hits came up again and again over the years, and there were, there were far more than I could ever even list on this podcast, but there were so many hits and I just wanted to believe him so badly that that was what I held on to. I even had a recurring nightmare over years that she was going to show up at our door one day. I had a really? recurring nightmare. Yes. I don't think yeah. I've ever talked about that publicly. Yeah. Wow. I had a recurring nightmare for years. And she did. She and she showed up. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, it was like a and, premonition. Yeah. And in the dream, I, I would always wake up like as she came to the door and I just remember it being very threatening to me, but there, the dream didn't never continue to the point of like her telling me anything or like, like a physical interaction per se. But I had that, I had that recurring nightmare for years. 
There were two of them. I had that. And the other recurring nightmare I had was that he was going to leave me at the altar when we eventually got married. And if oh. if the one hadn't happened, the second one would have. I'm certain wow. of it. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm going to digress a little because I want to get into this part when I, you know, is what I ask my students as well. So, well, so images are really important uh, in intuition. Um, and people always say, well, you know, I saw her. I saw a car. I said, well, what did it look like? Because it, you, you find that there's so much more information in the images that we see intuitively and we just kind of dismiss them. But it, it, it's actually more detailed that we can use to understand what our intuition is trying to tell us. So, so did you, what did she look like in your dream? Did she, was she the person who actually was the woman who finally came to your door? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was wow. her specifically that I, that was the dream that I kept having was that she specifically was going to show up at our door one day. And again, it, the dream always ended at the same moment. Like it, mm -hmm. it never went past her showing up at the door, but I would always wake up feeling deeply, unsettled by like it was right. it was clearly threat like like some yes. sort of threatening message was being given to me in the dream this, like this is not good <laughs> right it was repetitive <laughs> that it's repetitive yes. so that's one of the yes. things i tell people about intuitive dreams is that they're repetitive they're always the same they seem very real um and and i find it also interesting that you so you knew her obviously before and it, this was the person so, yeah. So my, mm -hmm. my, my, par my partner at the time, he and I had been friends for, for three years uh, before we actually started dating. So I knew him when he was dating her as well. And I think there were, mm -hmm. we, he and I met at work originally. Uh, so I, I crossed paths with her in person a couple of times at Christmas mm -hmm. parties and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then she, you know, she just kept coming up over the years, like popping up like an email here or a text message mm -hmm. here that I would see in passing. And yeah, so that was why it sort but of the like dream. Continue, continue saying. But the, <laughs> the dream, dream, yes. But there these are go. the things is that like we can we can logic that away because it's like, oh, well, you know, the, I saw that email come through. So, of course, like it's fresh in my mind. So, of course, I had a dream that she showed up at the door or something like that. Like it's so ah, easy to logic away our intuition. <laughs> yes. yes. And we do do that. It's we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think what you said is important is the experience, remembering what happened. Um, and this is what I tell people to, if you want to develop your intuition more, is to remember those experiences and write them down as a story because they're going to happen to you again the same way. You're going to feel this in a similar way. The feeling is like, oh, that's what it is. It's not, it's not overwhelming, but I had this underlying feeling and or I, I saw something in my dream and the dream is slightly different from my other dreams. It's repetitive. It seemed very real. I woke up with a, the same feeling over and over and over again. So I, th I thought that was really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never what? shared that publicly, actually. I, wow. I didn't even put that in the book. So you're, you're the first this to hear is that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put it in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the next one, stories. Uh, I did have a question. So now, you know, we're going forward and I know, you know, we, when we experience these kinds of breakups and these painful it doesn't even have to be a breakup. It could be, you know, people treating us a certain way and, and, and betray our trust. And now we go back just as you have and think about what could I have done? Oh yeah. I had the intuitive messages. Why didn't I see it? And you feel betrayed. You feel um, wounded. You feel like 
how am I ever going to be able to trust anybody again? Or maybe it's me. And you talked about forgiveness. And I think that's where we can turn to in all of this is like, well, they did that to me because I'm, I'm no good. They feel that I could just step all over me and that, you know, I'm garbage or so it turns in on itself. And, you know, we have this, this uh, fallen feeling of self-worth. So what, what is your answer to that? What, what do we do when that happens? There's, there's two, two threads that I want to play with here. One is that other people's actions often have very little to do with us. And the sooner we can both recognize and accept that, the more ease we will be able to live our lives with and, and be able to explore relationships with. That is not to say that like we, we, yes, we still need to, um, be held accountable for our own actions and everything else. Like we don't get to like run around the world being assholes. And then we're like, Oh, well, everyone else is just like their problem. Right? Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> there is a line here, <laughs> but we, we do need to recognize it because when, when we go through any type of, um, heartbreak or, or even just someone hurting us in, in some way, even just like with, with a, a single sentence, we can so deeply want to understand and, and we can get stuck in the wanting to understand. And I say this as someone who has now built an entire career out of understanding people. So it, <laughs> I acknowledge the, the hypocrisy here, but um, I, I do sometimes, I, I very much recognize where there can be a line. So, so just again, to use, to use my situation as an example, I reached a point about three months into the, the breakup where I had done as much digging as I could because I was like, I, I, I'd been living lies for nine years and I had always identified as a very honest, genuine person. And it felt like I had been lying for the last nine years because I had been living, living a life that was built on a foundation of lies and without even knowing it. So I did all kinds of digging to start to uh, figure out these pieces of my life and to start to try to better understand him too. And I reached a point where I was like, no more digging. I, I'm not going to try to make more efforts to understand him. I'm not going to try to look, like actively look for more secrets to uncover or anything mm -hmm. like that. There, there has to come a point where we accept the situation and the person and the circumstances for what they are and start to focus on our own healing because that is the only piece that we can control. And the more that we try to dig for answers, whether it's about the other person or the situation or whatever, that that's fine. That's part of the, the healing process to a point. And at a certain point, and I, I don't have an exact timeline in place here. This is the thing about relationships. It's always different for everybody. but at that point, you will start to just twist the knife in your own heart. And it will start to actually become detrimental to you if you continue down that path, rather than focusing on your own healing, because the, the people who continue to go down the path are the ones who typically will be bitter and cynical still decades from now, they will not heal. So we have to, to recognize that in ourselves and go, how do I want to live my life? Do I want to continue to live in the hurt and, and allow it to consume me and to identify as, as a victim? And the, the thing about victim, it, it's the, the victim mindset is, is very disempowering. 
So mm -hmm. no one is saying that like what was what was done to you was was right, whatever that is, because we've all had things done to us in one way or another. No one is saying that that was right. But what you choose to do with it is your choice. Mm -hmm. And how much power are you going to continue to give away to a, a person or situation or whatever? You will not build self-trust if you continue to live in that space. And you will not build your self-worth. You will not build your self-esteem. Like all of those things are, are really important to reconcile with that it is not, it is not always about us. And, and it's very difficult sometimes as, as humans, we all are a little bit narcissistic. Like we all live in that space a little bit. Like we're like, no, no, it's, it's about me. It's <laughs> actually not about you a lot of the time. <laughs> that, that can be their own wounding. And, and what are you going to do for you? How do you want to live your life? How do you want to feel in relationships? How do you want to, and, and if you're having trouble like trusting people or anything like that, I, I, I always tell people this, this is the exact decision that I made for myself. I'm like, I, I was always a trusting person. I'm like, I refuse to allow this quality about me that I really love to be taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Like no one can take that from me. If it gets taken from me, it was my choice to let them take it. I get to decide what I'm going to do about this quality that I love. And what you can do in these moments of pain is to actually allow the pain to crack you open, to go deeper into love. And that may sound like personal development bullshit, but it is very real. <laughs> like when, when we can do that and we can take that trusting piece of our hearts and protect it like our lives depend on it. And, and because people who trust live longer, they actually mm -hmm. live longer. The science has shown this. Oh, and really? our quality of life and relationships are dependent on our ability to trust other humans. And if we lose that piece of ourselves, it doesn't mean that you are going to just trust everyone and allow yourself to be walked all over. Absolutely not. These situations come to teach us standards and boundaries and, um, and, and discernment in really powerful ways. We can be trusting humans who still have rock solid boundaries and, and discernment where we're like, okay, I am a trusting human but you are showing some signs and indications that I can't trust you. So therefore you might not be the person I choose to trust, but you can still be a trusting human. So there's so many different angles to this, like it, like compassion and stuff too. Like there's, there's so many different ways that we, so you can tell me like, if you want to kind of go deeper into any of this, but hopefully that has sort of answered your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. It, it's, it's got a lot of things going on in my head because, you know, I'm thinking about now that the next steps and, Yes, I think all of us have gone through some experiences, you know, that are like this, maybe not as extreme, um, but and, and maybe it's not a relationship, maybe it wasn't a boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing or a marriage, you know, maybe it was, um, it could be a friendship or it could be just getting to know each other or, you know, or here's one, you know, you're, you think somebody really likes you and they really, you really like them and things start to, to, you know, get more intense and then you find out oh he's got a girlfriend or she's got a boyfriend why why right why why is this going on what are, are they playing with me or what are they trying to do and and so that goes back to like like for example in the dating world right i i think we all go through we've all gone through this that's why nobody wants really likes dating um but it's always like what's going on in that person's mind what's going on in, in her mind what's going on in his mind um how do i find the right person do they like me or or do they not how do what do i do you know how to how do i um 
how do I navigate all this? And, and I think it becomes really difficult, especially I think nowadays with the dating apps and it becomes very prescribed. Um, and then there's, you know, checklists. So I mean, we always have checklists, but now it's like online. <laughs> and, um, and also because we've got social media and texting, we don't get dumped into the practice of dealing with somebody one-on-one, right? When you're face-to-face. And so there becomes this, I got to figure it all out before I even meet her. And then when I meet her, she or him, they have to do these things. Otherwise it's, it's an, it's a no or a yes, right? Everything's black and white. So how do people navigate, um, that that those steps of if i'm making any sense you know first meeting somebody getting to know them you know am i gonna have a second date or a third date or you know or is this somebody who i think likes me enough to maybe want to go down the route of maybe this is you know the one um, or even just you know going out to be a girlfriend boyfriend what do we um what are some of the key things that people who are out there looking for relationships should be thinking about in getting to know somebody and and trusting what they think or what they know so it's two pieces right Mm. if that makes any sense did I make any sense I was literally (laughs) I don't usually do this but I was literally yes I was literally taking notes as you were talking because there were so many things coming to me I'm like oh my gosh we need to get into all this so (laughs) <laughs> this might be cut me off at any point uh, to dig deep. Oh, no, no, that's okay. Let's, let's I, go deep. I, I think I'm it's about really to go important. on like a tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, because I think okay. it's really, so, really key. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And like dating is hard. You know, dating, dating can be really hard. It can also be incredibly enjoyable, though, too. And like, that's what I often encourage people to do is like, how can you make this feel fun and like in, enjoy it? Like, how can you bring play into this? Um, because if it feels like a chore, that's probably going to come through in, in the energy of how you show up on dates too. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something that that we definitely need to cultivate. First, I'm going to break down the idea of the one because, (laughs) and we all do this. (laughs) This is how we have been like trained societally, culturally to like, look for the one. And I really strongly feel that there is not just one person out there for us. Like, if, if you think about it, the idea that there is only one human walking the globe out of 8 billion people, and you are just hoping and praying that you're just going to like run into each other on the street one day <laughs> or on a dating app or whatever, like it is mind boggling to even think of those odds. You want to play the lottery? I, mean, I trust the universe <laughs> you too, probably but yeah. Better like, chance of winning the lottery. That is a lot. <laughs> Seriously. So I, I really feel that, it, that that is so rooted in scarcity as well. Because if we think that there is only one person out there, then that can all that that idea can also fuel us to stay in relationships that are not working because we are so convinced that there's no one else out there who could be a better fit for us or that we have convinced ourselves that they are the only person. Um, it, there, there are so many different like aspects to that. There's also the how many times, you know, it, we will often stay in uh, relationships or try to restart past relationships or whatever, because we are lonely. And that is valid. That is so valid. I know loneliness very intimately. Uh, but it loneliness is something that we are always going to battle with as humans. And the sooner we can 
accept loneliness for what it is and actually start to pay attention to the wisdom that loneliness is giving us um, to actually go into it a little bit, kind of like steering into the skid <laughs> for, for lack of a better metaphor, because we often think that a romantic relationship will save us from loneliness. We're like, okay, well, that's the thing that if I can just find a romantic relationship, I'll never be lonely again. That is not true. Every single human will battle loneliness at one point or another, no matter who you're with, no matter how many, you could be in the, the best, healthiest, happiest relationship that it, and thriving for the rest of your life and you will still have moments of loneliness. So if we can accept that and start to, and start to reconcile with our moments of loneliness, it won't be quite as scary. So that's, that's almost like a fear that we have to overcome and it will, will make us uh, so much more strongly rooted within ourselves. That is absolutely what it has done for me. Like so much more grounded and rooted with myself because I don't fear loneliness the way that I once did. And that has, has made me much more able to walk away from people or relationships that aren't working for me because I know I will be fine. I will be fine. And that they're, you know, whoever that, that one person is that I was maybe with, if, if they, if they weren't the one who could like, we couldn't meet each other where we were at, or we weren't, we weren't super compatible or whatever, then they weren't the one. Like, then that's okay. Yes. We can walk away from that. Right. And, and it's also the idea that when we are thinking about like the one we, that, that is rooted in wanting to hold on to some sort of certainty. And certainty is an illusion. Anyone who's lived enough life knows this. So when we think about the one, we, the, the one so-called, I'm using like the air quotes, we are often trying to jam a particular person or relationship into the story that we have written of how we think this is supposed to go, how this is supposed to unfold, how our life is supposed to, um, to, to turn into in front of us. Rather than co-creating a relationship, which is the foundation of a healthy relationship to begin with, with that other person and allowing things to unfold and you write the story together. It's sort of like, um, rather than if I build it, they will come. It's, it's build it as they come instead. Mm -hmm. And that has a very different energetic vibe to it. The other thing is too, is, you know, these ideas of, of like checklists and stuff like this and the whole idea of being healed uh, before we get into relationship, <laughs> yes. I, I am the first one to argue like there is, we all have our own work to do. And I also think that there is a lot of power in cultivating very intentional time alone, whether you are in a relationship currently or whether you are single right now, cultivating intentional alone time is super, super important because it, it allows you to grow as a human. And then you get to, if you're in a relationship, then you get to bring that back into your relationship and now it will actually make your relationship even better in a lot of ways or you might realize that perhaps maybe it's not the right fit and then you can go co-create an even healthier relationship and just for the sake of your relationship with yourself again whether you're single or in a relationship that is the relationship that is going to be with you until death do you part mm. no no one else is going to be with you as long as you are so whether, you know, if, if you are with the, the right person, the one so-called for the next 50, 60 years, one of you is inevitably going to die first. And I don't say that to take the romance away. I say that to, to inject a dose of realism into the fact that if we are disconnected from ourselves, we will not be able to co-create a, a beautiful relationship. 
And our ideal person is going to be looking for someone with the with you know the if, if we are looking for someone with particular qualities, bear in mind that that other person, whoever that imaginary human is, they are also likely going to be looking for someone with those same qualities. So this is a two-way street. Like, are we embodying the qualities that we are looking for in others? That has to go both ways. And we, no one is, is ever going to be healed. There, there's always more work to do. And we also do so much healing in relationship. So as much as, yes, I'm like, spend the alone time, like working on yourself, all those things. The work continues on yourself, even when you get into a relationship. But sometimes being able to experience ourselves through the eyes of another in deep romantic partnership is one of the most healing gifts that we can be given as human beings. Mm -hmm. So this is not about being an island. This is not about doing it all alone. Um, you know, strong, independent woman, strong, independent man, whatever, like not needing anybody. We all need humans. We all need other humans and, and deeply connected, intimate relationships are one of the, the best things that we are given as humans, in my personal opinion. And there is such incredible opportunity for, for growth to take place there. And sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll get caught in like the checklist. And I tell every client I work with, I'm like, throw out your damn checklist. Whatever your checklist is, throw it out. Because it's usually like qualities like uh, a certain amount of money, a certain, certain aesthetic, a certain height, um, all these different things. I'm like, how do you want to feel with someone? Make that checklist. How do you want to feel? with someone. And, and that is what will determine who, who the right person or people are, because I, I, there, there are so many different people who can mm -hmm. be the right one for us, it, given different timing, circumstances, all those things, there can be all kinds of, of ones for us. And how you will recognize that one of the ways that you will recognize those right people is by how you feel with them. And, and love is not always logical. So Yes, we need to have the logic side of us in terms of um, recognizing our own standards, boundaries, expectations. Standards are like the minimum requirement that we meet, that we, mm. we, uh, we need people to meet to be invited into our circle. Boundaries are, we can be a little bit more flexible on boundaries and like compromise a little bit without compromising ourselves. But boundaries can be, they, boundaries that are not enforced are just suggestions too. So we, we need to, you know, have our boundaries, let people know, communicate what it is that we are looking for. Expectations need to be managed. So sometimes expectations can be um, sort of these covert contracts that we might not even realize we have in our heads until someone does something. So Lisa, let's say, let's say that you, you just happen to call me every Friday. And, and it's not, it's not a pre-agreed upon thing that we have. You just happen to have some time every Friday morning and you call me around like 10 a.m. every Friday. And then one week you don't. And it's gone on long enough that I have started to create the expectation that you are going to call me at 10 a.m. Friday. And then I'm pissed when you don't call me. I'm like, what the hell, Lisa? Why didn't you call me? <laughs> that is like an expectation that I need to manage because I projected that onto you without either of us having any communication about that being the expectation. So that's something that we need to remember too. Like communication is, is such an important piece of this. Um, but the standards, boundaries, expectations, and choosing, focusing on doing the choosing more than being chosen. Because oh, why? so we, we all want to be chosen. It's, that's a great thing. I'm glad you said that because 
I think, you know, what's going through my mind is there's a lot about being the chosen. And I think yes. that that's all the discussion that I've heard uh, that goes back and forth, whether it's a guy or a girl, they're all saying the same thing is, you know, I'm not chosen. Why am I not chosen? What do I do to be chosen? How do I increase my chosenness? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I'm sorry and to interrupt you, but I, I, I would love no, to dive I'm into so this. I'm glad and- you did. So you said to focus on the choosing rather than the, being the chosen. Why and how? Now, right. So to be clear, both both are important. I'm not saying to anybody like, you know, choose someone without being chosen. No, no. Like it needs to be mutually reciprocal. Mm. But sometimes, and I have done this myself before, we can feel so special being being someone's chosen person that we forget to ask ourselves if if we like them just because they like us. So it can be really easy. That can be a very easy trap to fall into because we all want to feel chosen as humans. If someone is like professing their love for us, we're like, oh my goodness, like I feel so special. And it, it is, that is special. That is such a beautiful gift. But also, do you like them as much as they like you? And vice versa. Like if someone that you are choosing, if even though that's incredibly important, if they are not showing up for you, if they're just kind of like brushing you off, ignoring you, whatever, or, you know, they're like out running around, like having booty calls with other people, like then (laughs) they are not choosing you. (laughs) So it needs to be very much a a two-way street, but just be careful of that trap because we love the feeling of being chosen and being desired. But are we as into them just because they have chosen us? Or do they actually embody like the values and the qualities that we look for in another human? Those can, those can be two very different conversations. Ideally, we want that to become one conversation <laughs> where yes. the person that we are choosing and, and being chosen by also embodies the standards and, and, and qualities and values and all those beautiful things. Can you talk to the other side of that? Because I, uh, I, I could see the other side being, you know, thinking about men and women, um, and I think it's true. I think women are the choosers, so to speak, mm-hmm. because they often have more choices. Men um, become the chosen because they, in a way, have less. Uh, that sort of seems to be the, the thread of things. So, so now we're talking about the other side. Is that where um, you're not chosen, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you cope with that? What is it, you know, then you're thinking, well, what do I need to do? And why doesn't she like me? And, you know... <laughs> And Absolutely. how do I change that? Because I do like her. Um, am I doing something wrong? So that's such a good point. And you're absolutely right that women, women typically are the choosers. That's just the, the, the nature of, I'm obviously speaking, but like heterosexual relationships. Um, that is the, the nature yes. of, mm-hmm. of the dynamics that, that play out typically for the most part. So, be, and, and I would offer this advice to anyone uh, this advice applies very much to anyone, but especially to anyone uh, like like the men who maybe perhaps feel like they are the ones that are needing to be chosen instead of doing the choosing more often. Again, even though it's still very much a two-way street. First of all, I'm still always going to bring it back to the relationship with ourselves. So if we are running around from person to person, and and I have done this, we have all done this at some point or another, wanting to be chosen, no matter how you identify, man, woman, or otherwise, that is not a super attractive quality. It's not a super attractive quality because 
we are then putting our sense of self-worth into the hands of another. And as soon as we do that, the universe will inevitably come in at some point to shake shit up and remind us that that self-worth has to come from within. Mm. So we, we have to source that within ourselves. Now, we, we also build some of our sense of self through relationships. Again, like seeing ourselves through the eyes of, of another, whether romantic or, or totally platonic, just cultivating any sort of like intimate relationships, even very platonic ones can be incredibly useful with that. But the other foundational piece that I would say is super important is to start with friendships first. So I would even offer this advice to anyone on dating apps. Yes, you can have the, the longer term. Um, I don't even want to say longer term because it doesn't have to mean that it's not going to happen for, for a long while. But just hold the vision of, of the romantic relationship that you desire while treating something like the dating apps or just dating in general, however, however it is you're meeting people by looking to create friendships. And that will shift the dynamic because, and this is, I think, particularly important for, for men. If, if men are, you know, kind of like worried or nervous, like about approaching women or anything like that, think about how, and I, I'm like speaking to the men here, but again, this can very much apply to women as well. If you're a guy, think about how you make friends with other males. How do you make friends with other males? You just, you're yourself. Like you just kind of like walk up to them, you like do your thing, whatever. Um, you, you kind of are more likely to allow your true self to come through. And then hopefully you are able to create friendships. That's probably feeling easier for a lot of people to do than going for someone of the opposite sex in a romantic way. It, it removes a lot of the stress. Treat the opposite sex the same way. Treat the opposite sex the same way. Go into it being yourself and looking to make friends. Because the other benefit to this is that if you create uh, new friendships with, with someone of the opposite sex, even if they themselves don't end up being the right person, even if any of those people don't end up being the right person for you romantically, they have friends too. So then you're like then tapping into even more of a network where you don't know how, you know, you might end up connected with somebody else because of like a friend of a friend. And, and I hope, I hope this is, I feel like I almost need to like mind map this to like give like a visual, but does this make sense and of what I'm talking yeah. about? Like the, okay. Because it, when we approach things and the foundational piece of any good romantic relationship is friendship. You have to like each other before you love each other, because there will be days when you do not love that other person. You, <laughs> you can be like, mm, Yes, I still want to be in a relationship with you, but I do not love you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have to, to build enough of a core relationship and foundation that it can sustain those inevitable moments that every single long-term relationship will undergo. And if you have a core, strong friendship at the root of that, you are much more likely to be able to sustain and, and weather those storms and come out on the other side. So that friendship piece is key. And, and if you go into dating, looking to just make new friends, that is a very different vibe from the neediness that, that can be sniffed out from a mile away when we're going into it like, oh my gosh, I hope they like me. That is a completely, completely yes. different vibe. This is actually just what my co-author and I wrote the entire book on was this idea of like the fact that there is no one, the relationships are here to grow us and how to 
reprogram neediness and to be able to show up with like your genuine, confident, authentic self and be detached, a little bit more detached from outcomes. And interestingly, that usually ends up unfolding into powerful, amazing relationships in, in a way that has so much more flow and ease to it rather than trying to force things or um, pretend to be someone that we're not in order to make a relationship mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And I feel I like think... I'm going off on like rants here, but <laughs> no, you're not. No, it's all making sense. It's actually all okay, good. <laughs> great points. And I'm like, I, there's so much I'm thinking about for myself as well, you know, and, and it's awesome. I love it all. And, you know, I was thinking also as speaking about, you know, men, going on dates and their struggle, but what you're talking about, that friendship, I think women want that. They may not have it on their checklist, but ultimately I think at their heart, they're looking for that. They're looking for someone who's going to be by them, who can uh, share with them, who can, they can share their hearts with, and that can be a, a true partner with, yeah. because the women are the nurturers. The women are the ones who are looking for stability, long-term family relationship, you know, that's the, and that they'll be cared for and taken care of. And, and that has to become from a friend, not somebody who's going to be Lord over you and, you know, make and tell you what to do. And, you know, and then maybe quote provide, you know, it's not, it's not, that's, I don't think that's what women, women want. I think they want a friend. Well, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and men too, for sure. And, mm -hmm. and the other thing is as well, is that it just, we can when we when we're really excited about a new a new romantic partner it's very easy to feel like we know them very quickly we can mm -hmm. only have known them for maybe like a couple of months and we're like oh my gosh like i know this person so intimately and whatever you you may have have been intimate with them but you don't truly know them yet mm -hmm. like it takes mm -hmm. a long time to get to know someone so again like allowing that friendship to take place first and, and I'm not saying necessarily that it will take years. It, it, it just, it's, it's a piece that will give you something to build on and allow you to get to see who someone really is in different facets of life and different situations and stuff like that. As you get to know them, that will mm -hmm. help you determine if, if the two of you, it help both of you determine if you are going to be a good fit for each other. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Emily, tell us about your book. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So this is, this is my first book and I, I have many books in me, but this is my first book. Um, <laughs> I have co-authored it with my very, very dear friend. He's one of my closest friends in the world, uh, Dr. Jay Tita. And it's called You Grow Me. Um, we've just finished the first draft. So right now it is scheduled for release in spring 2024, but I have gotten word that it may actually come out this fall. So Ooh. it's taking on a life of its own. Uh, and we're also going to be um, co-hosting a live relationship event in September as well. Uh, that will be both virtual and in person. There will be two different options for that. Uh, so we're really, really excited about it. It's particularly useful for anyone dating. Um, but even, even anyone who's already in, in, in an existing long-term relationship, there are all kinds of tools and stuff in there that you can bring into your relationship to to deepen the intimacy and to really do a lot of this this work on yourself that will benefit your partner the dynamic um and and just the connection that you have with yourself because that is it will always come back to that i will always bring it back to that piece because 
that one is the one that radiates out to everything and every like everyone and everything else in our lives in a really powerful way. So very excited to, wow. to share the book when it comes Coming out. Yes. Soon, a lot of great <laughs> events and all that. And yes, Emily Goff <laughs> is uh, that human and connection and transformation coach. You can reach her at emilygoffcoaching.com and that's E-M-I-L-Y-G-O-U-G-H coaching.com. And I'm going to put the links in the show notes so you can see them all there. Uh, she's also a host of a podcast called Room to Grow. So yes. you can get more of Emily there. Emily, um, I love that you come on and talk to us today about this such an important, important thing. I know we've talked a little bit about intuition and romance and, and, and I love what you were talking about how you need to experience both and have that comparison to go, oh, that was my intuition. That's what we teach all about in the intuition development circle. Um, and we're going to talk a lot more about in the intuition mastery workshop. Um, and you, you guys can go there if you want to intuitionmasteryworkshop.com. And we're going to talk all about intuition, how you can know, maybe know before uh, something not so fun happens, um, or how you can use your past experiences to go, okay, that was intuition. I, I get it now. And I can use that going forward. I'm glad you we had a chance to talk about it. This was amazing. I was I was like riveted with, oh yeah, yeah. That's such a great. <laughs> that's that's those. These are great lessons. So it was so fun talking to you. Thank you for coming on today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This is such a delight. I felt like I was like going off on like little rants at that point. So I'm glad that it all that made sense. All good stuff. I was like, you know, right. like I said, I learned so much, and uh, so thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more, one of the most common questions I get is where do I even start doing this work to create deeper connections and better relationships? I've got a free 15 page guide for you called Where Do We Begin? This is the very foundation that you need to start building healthy relationships with others and with yourself. This is my gift to you and multiple people have referred to it as life-changing. <laughs> you can find it over at roomtogrowpodcast.com or check the show notes to go download it and have it sent straight to your inbox. Thanks so much and stay tuned for more episodes weekly.